How are we doing, community of faith? Yeah, I'd like to hear that. How many of you would rather be here than at the best hospital in town? <laughs> well, I wasn't much choice on that one, but you know, I'm so glad you're here. If you're listening online, so glad that you're listening with us. There comes time in all of our lives where we come to these choice points, uh, kind of a crossroads, and we don't always know that's going to happen. Sometimes it's really subtle. Sometimes it's big things we understand and we know it's coming. But at other times, it's just this little subtle thing. I'm praying that today would be one of those choice points for you that you look back on today and you see this is when everything began to come together. This is when everything began to change. I had one of those a few years back, uh, about two and a half years ago, with Laura, um, we were going through one of our same arguments. We've, you know, we had been married, what, 36 years at that time. And, um, you know, we had the same arguments over and over, it seemed like. And I realized that it was coming from inside of me. It was coming from some obsessive thoughts that I had had basically all my life. And um, it's kind of embarrassing, but I, I saw Laura there crying. I don't know why she's crying, it seems unfair that she's crying, you know, but I'm, I'm looking at her and all of a sudden it just hits me because I love her so much. It's like, I said, it's not you, it's me. And I just shared that with her. I said, this is what's going on. It's kind of embarrassing, but here's what's going on. And um, I won't get into any of the whole thing about it, but it was just like, she looked at me for a minute and she goes, I knew it was you. I knew it had to be you, you know? And it's like, I, I had already figured that out some years ago, something's going on, you know? And, uh, and then finally she said, and you know, I think there's medication for that. And then I looked at her and I, oh, I think there might be, you know? A few uh, weeks later, I'm sitting with my two brothers, Brent and Carrie, and Brent's a you know, a doctor, a surgeon in the woodlands and carries a pastor somewhere. And um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, I, I was just, I said, do you guys ever get like obsessive thoughts that you just can't get out of your head? And Carrie said, you mean like you go to Disney World and you see a guy with a, a mole on his face and you can't forget it? You can't get it out of your head for three months? I said, yes, like that. And he goes, no, that never happens to me. <laughs> he said, no, it's ADHD. And I said, no, it's OCD, right? No, ADHD. He said, I've got really bad ADHD, and, I, and, and you do too. And I said, you think so? So I went to my psychiatrist that I see occasionally because I'm dealing with you guys all the time, so I need to see him a lot. <laughs> and and he, uh, you know, he, he diagnosed me, and he came out crying. I told some of you this story, but he came out crying, and, and he said, you've got the worst case of adult ADHD I've ever seen. I can't believe you're still married. I can't believe that you've accomplished anything. And I was like, well, thanks, friend, you know? <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it started unrolling my confessing to Laura, started opening up this healing that started happening that made our marriage into this beautiful, amazing, the safest place ever. Laura had always said, I know Mark wants to be here with me, but you know, he's kind of not ever totally present, but if I can get like 90% of him here, you know, that's gonna be really good. And now it's like uh, 110% is too much, right? <laughs> and uh, I can focus in, I think, you know, Jesus, Adderall, amazing combo, you know? But, but here's the thing, 
This is a choice point for you too. And maybe like me, I didn't see it coming that day, but maybe it's gonna be something that as you step into this, what I'm gonna ask you to do today, you came and you didn't know that you were gonna be asked to do this, but we're gonna ask you to do this today. And when you step into it, no, it's not about ADHD, okay? It's getting in a small group. I want you to leave here in a small group. Church at Community of Faith happens in small groups. This is celebration. We do celebration and we do it amazingly, but if you don't have a small group, then you're missing church because that's where church happens. And so we've made it super easy. What we're gonna do, we've got the the study guide of this message that Laura and I are giving today. And if you will text guide to 97,000, just punch in 97,000, text guide. They're gonna send you before one o'clock today, the study guide of this. And then I want you just together with some of your best friends, your best buddies. And I want you to start the community group. Maybe it's just with your family. Maybe uh, dads or single moms, you, you wanna just do that with your kids even. It's an amazing thing that happens. But yeah, even a family can be a small group and you begin to talk about what we've talked about. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. That's what's so great about it. Now, some of you are going like, well, I don't like my family and I don't have any friends. Okay, well, that's okay. Because Wes is gonna be out in the lobby with some of the staff and he is gonna sign you up for a small group. We've got some amazing ones and you can get in on them. And so they'll be out there to get you, but we're gonna talk about what happens when we start to make this choice, the things that change. And, and it's amazing that so many promises of God are for church and church happens in those small groups. So let's dig into it just a little bit and you're gonna see why you wanna do this. And I'm gonna challenge you to do it. I think those groups are so important because that's where growth happens. We grow together. We grow among one another and God uses that in our lives. So I'm excited that you have that opportunity today. And we do have a choice. I think the first thing we want you to see today is that I can choose to walk through life alone or I can choose to do it with others. I can choose to be with others. And that's what God would have us do. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, Jesus is asked, what's the most important thing in life? If I'm gonna do one thing, what is it? And he answered right away. He knew the answer immediately and listen to what he said. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. He didn't say, get ahead in the world, be at the top of your game, be the top of your class, be the CEO of the company. None of those things. He didn't even say, you know, live a healthy lifestyle. The thing that Jesus immediately said, the most important thing in your life is relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with other people. Last week, mess, mess, that's good, Wes. (laughs) (laughs) Wes is a mess. Last week, Wes shared a message, that's where that came from. Um, Wes shared a message. (laughs) um, 
about knowing God. And he talked about how important that is. If you guys weren't here, you missed that. I want you to go back and listen to it because it was a really powerful message. You can find it on our website. You can find it on our YouTube channel. But he talked about knowing God. And that's the very first thing that Jesus said. But then he said, it's also relationship with people. You have to have relationship with people. That's how you're going to grow. That's how you're going to find hope and freedom. So if that's the most important thing, I want to ask you this morning, how are you doing? How are you doing? How's your relationship with God? What was it like this week? What was it like this morning? Did you take time to spend with God this week, or did you let all the other things of life push that out of the way? Because that's the most important thing, your relationship with him. And what about your relationship with the people in your life, your spouse, your kids, Co-workers, your neighbors, your parents. And some of us are kind of cringing a little bit, right? When we mention some of those people, it's like, well, some of my relationships are good, but the others, uh... Jesus is saying those are the most important things. And God has called us as his church to be in relationship. That's where we find growth and freedom. I don't know if they still do this, but Christie's Auction House years ago, used to take a day out of the year where they did free appraisals, and people could bring in whatever they hoped was some sort of treasure and have Christie's appraise it and and see if it was really valuable or worth anything, and then they would auction it off for them. I read the story of a woman who had gone through old boxes of her grandmother's, and she found a piece of jewelry, and it was just in a little cheap jewelry box, but as she was looking at it, she thought, this looks like maybe it could be something that really is valuable. And she took it to that free appraisal day at Christie's auction house. And they did the appraisal of this piece of jewelry. And it turned out that it was um, created in 1904 by Tiffany and Company. And it really was valuable. And they auctioned it off for $385,000. Well, that jewelry had been sitting in the box all these years in the attic. And nobody realized what they had. They didn't realize the value of what was there among them. And I tell you that because I think so often in our lives, we don't realize the value of what we have. It's the people. It's the people in your life. They're the most valuable. They're important. And God says, I want you to have relationship with them. I want you to live in community with the people I've placed in your life. We get so caught up in thinking of all the other things that we think are important that we miss out on this very most important treasure that we have. You've heard us say over and over, the best version of you is found in community. It's found in relationship with one another. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches. You've probably heard that old phrase, there's strength in numbers, right? But I think that comes from Scripture. If you look at Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. They're very vulnerable. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And all kinds of scientific studies show that to be true, that when we have healthy relationships with one another, we are healthier, we're stronger, we're happier, we're more successful in our jobs, we even live longer. And I love the way that verse says it. Together, we conquer. Together, we stand strong. Together, we aren't easily broken. 
That's what God is calling us to as his church. And it's not just a suggestion for our life. It's actually command. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Mm. Don't give up coming together. I know with COVID and everything that's happened in the last two years, we, we had to. And we all felt the pain of that, didn't we? But now that we can be back together, God says, do it. Come together. And maybe there's a reason that you still need to stay at home and watch online. That's okay, but you still need to connect. You need to connect by Zoom or connect with your family. It's important that you do. And community of faith can be an easy place to hide. You know, it's a big crowd of people. There are big buildings. You can kind of just sneak in, sit down, hear the message, go home. That's really not enough. And it's really not enough for you just to wave at the parking guy on the way out either. Maybe you're new here and you kind of need to be anonymous for a little while as you get your feet in and see what it's all about. That's okay. But if you've been here a couple of years, it's not okay anymore. God's calling you to connect. He wants you to grow together with this body of believers. So that's what we're talking about today. We want you to make those connections. You know, 100 years ago, our society was very different, right? I mean, it wasn't just the nuclear family, but you lived with your whole extended family, either in the same house often or on the same property with your houses next door to one another. And when you needed help and you needed support and you needed whatever, if there was a crisis that came along, you had that extended family beside you to encourage you and support you. How is it today? You go to the office, right? You drive home alone, you pull into the garage, shut the door, go in the house, and you look to that one other person in your home to provide everything you need, all the emotional, mental, physical, spiritual support that you need. And the truth is, one person can't do that. God never designed it to be that one person would meet every need that you have, and we've fallen into that in our community, and we want you to hear today that that's not going to work. That's not going to work long-term. God has provided you this church family to be your extended family since the culture has changed in that way. So we want you to plug in and be a part of that. You need a community of people to live a healthy, growing life. Mark and I were in California a couple of weeks ago. We went to visit our son and his family. And one of the days we were out there, we took a day to go visit the California Redwood Forest. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the California redwood trees. If you haven't, you need to put it on your bucket list. For sure. Because it's just incredible to see this creation and and be in the midst of it and feel, honestly, how tiny we are in compared to God's creation. But it's, it's one of those places where you just feel the majesty and splendor of God when you see the nature around you. Some of them have been around since the time of Christ. Some of these trees are thousands of years old. Not that Christ was in California, but they were there <laughs> when he was. And, and the thing that's so incredible to me, like they grow to be, they live thousands of years, they grow to be 250, 300 feet tall. And if you're spatially challenged like me, that means these trees are as tall as a football field is long. That's a really tall tree. I think you have a picture somewhere. We do have a picture of some of them. That you took. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's looking up at the trees, um, just feeling the smallness of us as humanity. But it's just incredible to look at them. And as, as I'm looking, I'm thinking, these trees, 
I mean, they're 300 feet tall. They must have the most incredible root system, right? I mean, to balance out just the weight of that tree, it's got to go 300 feet into the ground, right? To hold it, because this is the land where the earth shakes sometimes. And they get these winds that whip through there and and fires and, and floods and all the things that's right along the coast. And I thought for these trees to have survived thousands of years, I mean, they must have the crazy deep root system. But you know what I learned? They don't. These redwood trees that are 300 feet tall, their roots go about 6 to 12 feet down into the earth. And I thought, well, how do they not fall over with every little shake of the ground, every big wind that comes along? How are they surviving like this? Well, I learned something else about their root system. They're just six feet deep, but they go out up to 100 feet away from the tree. And they live in groves with the other trees, and their roots intertwine with one another. And sometimes they even fuse together. And it's because of this that these trees are able to live and grow and be strong and survive. And I thought, what a crazy picture of how God has designed the church to be as well that we would be together, intertwined, fusing together, holding one another up when the storms of life come. That's what God designed the church to be. And the only way you can be a part of that and the only way you can stand strong and grow healthy across the years is if you're intertwined with the rest of us. We need one another. God designed us to be that way. There was something else interesting about these trees You see them in the forest grove. They grow in circles a lot of time. You could tell that in that picture. It's a circle of trees. They call them fairy circles, which I think is a cute name, but it's interesting if you look at them because in the middle of that circle of trees, there is an old-growth tree that's been there maybe hundreds, thousands of years, and it's been injured in some way, maybe through fire, maybe through an earthquake or a windstorm. But that old growth tree was injured. And these younger trees come up and circle around. And they provide protection for that old growth tree in its later years. They provide a safe place for that tree. And I thought, how beautiful is that? If as a church, we could produce those kind of things for the old growth people here in our congregation, that the younger ones would come around and be a support and be a protection and be a safe place for them. And you know what else is interesting? These younger trees, they didn't start from a seed and have to produce their own roots, but they fused into the roots of the old growth tree. And it's there that they find nourishment to be all that they're created and designed to be. I thought, what a beautiful picture of who God wants us to be as community of faith in relationship with one another. You know what? what's interesting about that? The reason why they called them fairy circles is because they would just see these trees in either half circles or whole circles, and there was nothing in the middle. What had happened, the old tree that had been injured had totally disappeared, disintegrated. But these other trees, so they thought, you know, oh, the fairies must have made those, and they live in there, you know. But no, it was from this one tree. And can you imagine, if you take us seriously today and you start this small group, that one day when you're not here anymore, those others around you that you're leaving, 
Dads, what a, a chance to leave a legacy for your kids, that those kids are going to stand tall in the darkness, in the difficulty, in the generations to come, and you're not even there anymore, but your presence is felt because of that time of intertwining, the time that you spent together. So I think it's important that we choose not to walk along, alone, but to walk with others. I think that there's another thing that I want you to choose today, though. I want you to choose. It's a relational crossroads that we all face, choice point. I choose to pretend or I choose to be healed. Now, that sounds like those are kind of weird choices, but this is what the Bible says. I can choose to pretend or I can choose to be healed. Most people in America today are, are choosing to pretend. They decide that they're going to put up a little front, you know, and they've got different fronts for different people. Maybe you pulled into the parking lot and you're screaming at each other and the kids and you get out and the guy in the parking lot says, hey, welcome. And you say, have a blessed day, right? Have you ever said, have a blessed day anywhere else? Not very often, probably. But you've got your little mask up. It kind of pops up and you begin to talk kind of a churchy language or something. Well, it's so interesting to me, the power of church. You know, 1 John 1, 9, God says to us, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That's, that's an amazing verse. That word confess just means agree with God. I agree with you, God, that this is wrong in my life. And he says, you just agree with me and I'll forgive you. But there's another verse that talks about what happens if we do that at church. It says in the book of James, confess your sins, your faults to one another, pray for one another, and what'll happen? So you may be healed. See, we've got a lot of stuff going on. We've got a lot of trauma from our past. We've got a, a, a lot of emotional things that are causing our bodies all kinds of issues. And it's in conjunction with other people. And I don't think it means that you get in these small groups and everybody goes, uh, okay, everybody tell me your worst sins you did this week. Don't do that, okay? But it just means that you're open and real. You become real with each other. See, some of you are afraid to get into small groups because you think, I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm just gonna look like an ignorant fool. Well, no one else here knows much about the Bible either, so you're in good company, all right? You're not gonna look like an ignorant fool. We're all doing this together. When you download the, the study guide, it's not gonna be deep Bible questions. It's gonna be practical application of what we've just talked about and how you can live it out. And that's what we do together. We live this thing out. But to be real changes everything. There's an exponential power in the church. And that church, that happens in small groups. And it's important that we get that, that we understand that. You know, there's a really good verse in Ephesians. It says, tell each other the truth because we all belong to each other. One of the things that I love about this place I love about this place is that we can be real and there's not a judgment here. We can be real and we can hurt and we can have issues and, and, and that's okay. My uh, father-in-law is 
has been a deacon at one of the, you know, big traditional churches in town. And, and um, you know, he gets our prayer requests, the ones that you fill out online, they, they go out to a lot of different people to pray. And he asked if he could pray for them. And he said to me, your church is all jacked up. And I said, yours is too, but they don't admit it. Right? And that's what I love about you is like, yeah, we put the fun in dysfunctional. But, you know, it's, it's this whole understanding that we can be real with each other. And it's so important. You know where they get the word hypocrite from? It comes from old Greek plays where the actors used to play all these different parts and they would put a mask up for each part, like maybe they're, they're the man and then they're the woman, whatever. And that was a hypocritical play. They used those masks, hypocrite. And that's where we get it from. Some of you, your mask is kind of sliding a little bit. It's hard to keep it up, isn't it? It's hard to hold. It takes a lot of energy. Are you tired? Don't you just want someone to know you for who you are? Such a beautiful thing when you can find that. And that happens in small groups. You know, my father-in-law, Damon, passed away two years ago tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. Um, and he was a pastor his whole life from the time he was 16 until he passed away. So nearly 70 years. And um, I remember he used to always say, you know, I'd be a really great pastor if it weren't for the people. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark he did and say I, that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Mark and I would kind of laugh. And then um, we started serving as pastors. And I thought, oh, he's right. Because we all got issues, right? We all have issues. We're all people. That's why, that's why when Jesus was talking to Peter about being the head of the church, he said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He didn't say, Peter, do you love sheep, did he? <laughs> so you start with that relationship with him and you just love people as they are. And I think that's why it's so important, this choice that we have as well in relationship with one another. We can choose the shortcut or the long road. And if we're going to have relationships, we have to choose the long road because relationships are messy, right? They're hard. They take time. They're difficult. You and I are difficult. It takes commitment to be in a relationship and choose the long road. You know, I don't know if you remember several years ago, all those little one-minute books came out, like the one-minute manager, the one-minute parent, the one-minute uh, boss, the one-minute everything, one-minute relationships, and, and that all one sounds One-minute lover or something. Great. <laughs> um, I don't think that was one. I don't think so. <laughs> Just totally threw my brain off. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's his ADHD, y'all. You saw it on full display. Um, <laughs> But, and there were probably some good information in those books, but you can't really have a relationship in one minute, right? I mean, maybe that's a good start. You take that minute to invite somebody to come have a discussion with you or to have dinner with you and hang out with you, but then it's minute by minute by minute by minute by minute across the course of months and years. That's how you develop relationships. And that's why you have to choose the long road because you're not going to really have the relationships that God is talking about if you don't. Um, to be the church together, we have to choose the long road because relationships are going to cost us. They cost time and they cost energy and they cost emotional involvement. They don't always work out the way we want them to. They don't always um, take the time that we want them to. Ephesians 4.2 says this, be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Be humble, be gentle, 
be patient. It takes patience. And listen to 1 Thessalonians 5.14. It says, be patient with everyone. Read that and I thought, everyone? <laughs> Seriously? That's what it says. You know, I am so grateful that for the people who have been patient with me over the course of my life and allowed me the freedom to grow and change and become more. Grateful to Mark, grateful to God for giving me that time, the long road to become what he wants me to be. But then I find myself not giving that same patience to other people. I mean, I want you to, to change quickly. I want you to heal quickly. I want you to become everything God intended quickly because that'd be a whole lot easier. Don't necessarily and go to Laura for, for counseling if you need counseling <laughs> and say, I'm doing this thing. And she goes, Stop, stop it. Just stop it. Stop it. <laughs> but it's, it's important. We can't do things quickly like that. It doesn't work that way. We have to offer patience to one another. One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 13 7. It says, Love never gives up, never loses faith. Faith, it's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And we often think of that verse in relationship to marriage, but it's talking about every relationship. Love doesn't give up. Love hangs in there. Maybe God has you here today because he wants to say, don't give up. Choose the long road. Don't give up on that spouse. Don't give up on that child. Don't give up on that coworker or that neighbor. Maybe God wants you to hear that today. And it's not just take the long road means I'm just enduring whatever is really hard in this relationship, but it's taking action, finding the things that we can do to become better in relationship with one another. That's what God is calling us to as his church and as this body of believers here at Community of Faith. That's so true. I think the last thing is you can choose comfort or you can choose growth. You can't have both. Comfort or growth. See, I think there's this really insidious uh, kind of thing that's crept into American Christianity, and that is that God is really interested in our, our comfort and our well-being in that sense of being comfortable. Like, oh, they must be really blessed by God because look at their comfortable life, comfortable family, comfortable. Er and, and the truth is, that's not what God promised God promised all who want to live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. He said that, it, that everyone in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus himself said that. So we shouldn't be surprised at that. But the thing is that sometimes we're just afraid. We, to get out of our comfort zone is what it's going to take to grow. And some of you, I know you're like introverts and you're saying, I just don't know about getting in this group. Well, start your own with the little circle around you, okay? And you can begin to see this happen. Or you can go out and see Wes and say, I'm an introvert. Get me in a group, you know, that I know they're just going to like pull me in and, and love on me. And it's going to be great. I might not even have to talk. He knows those groups, right? So it's important that we do this to grow. The, the wisest man who ever lived says, Iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. And when you think about metal hitting together, sparks fly. And there's going to be some of that in any relationship. But that's, he's not talking about 
getting in a small group where everybody's like, you know, chopping each other up with little Ginsu knives and going like, hey, you know, judging each other. He's saying this. Listen to this verse. I love this. Hebrews 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I love the book of Acts. When I was a teenager and I read that Acts chapter two and what the church was supposed to be like and how they all came together and they were just in awe of what God was doing and how they loved one another. I always thought, I want a church like that. When we started Community of Faith in 2003, that's what we, we want a church like that. And we've seen inklings of that. We've seen little, you know, drops from heaven of that with us. And you have too. But I'm just asking God to just flood us with that. And that's gonna happen as more and more of us get into church, into small groups, because we're gonna be able to love on each other and care about each other and encourage one another. You know, it's really hard to walk alone through this life. It's really difficult. And even if you're married, to put all of that pressure on your spouse to meet all of that. When some, usually when something's going on with one of you, it's going on with both of you. It might be your marriage itself, or it might be a child that's struggling, or, or there's some issue with finances or something to have people from outside that can gather around you, encourage you, say, we can do this together. We can make it together. That's just huge. Luke, when he was writing the book of Acts, he was the, the doctor, you know, that traveled with Paul. And he writes in one of the first verses, he says, my former book, my last book I wrote was about the beginning of the works of Jesus Christ until the day of his ascension. And the implication is he wrote the book of Luke, which is one of the gospels. And the implication is that the book of Acts is a continuation of the works of Jesus Christ. Not of people, not of others, not of the apostles, but of Jesus working through his church. And that's what you see. In fact, the book of Acts is an interesting book because you go to the last chapter and Paul's in prison, chained to a Roman guard, and it just ends there. Like it, it just kind of stops. Like what? It's what? I don't, there's not, that's not a good ending, you know? You don't even know what happened. But that's because it's just volume one of the acts of Jesus Christ. We're in volume 22. Might be the last volume. Seems like it sometimes, doesn't it? The things are kind of wrapping up. Seeing some of the stuff from Revelation and other places beginning to take place around us. This is our time. This is our time to finish what started way back there, to be the church that God dreamed of us being. And if we are going through some tribulation or the tribulation, we'll be there for each other. We'll walk with each other. We'll do this together. Yeah, this is your time. This is the day that's gonna change everything. You say, I don't see, just take my word for it. Start the small group 
or get in the small group and you will begin to see the power of God exponentially. You'll be healed. You'll find healing. It's a promise. Would you just close your eyes with me for a minute? Father, it's hard for us to, to see this sometimes. It's hard for us to understand how something that simple as being together with a group of people on a continual basis can make the difference that you said it's gonna make, but you promised it. You shared it with us. It's your ideas. Church always has to happen in small groups because the things you tell us to do in church can't be done in something of this size. And so I ask that you would give us the courage, every one of us within the sound of my voice, give us the courage to make that next small right step in our journey with you to get involved in a small group. God, I thank you that the staff made it easy that we can just punch in 97,000 and write the word guide. And we can get that guide and we can start it with friends and coworkers. God, you know, I could never get into some of these businesses where people here work. They'd call security on me. But they're there on the second, third, fifth, top floor. And they could start a small group right there. Would you do that with some of us? Would you start it with our families so that when we're not even here anymore, that they'll stand strong and tall in their generation? God, give us courage. Thank you that Wes is out there waiting, so encouraging. Thank you that Ian's out there. I pray that God, that as we go out and see them, are we step into starting our own, that you will do what only you can do. Come kingdom of God upon us. Be done will of God over us. Don't let anything stop us. In Jesus' name, amen.